You're tuning in to Query. Query is broadcast on the sacred ancestral homelands of the Sinaixed people. You're listening to CJLY 93.5 in Nelson, 96.5 in the Crawford Bay, 101.5 in the Lower Slocan Valley, and 107.5 in New Denver. And you're tuning in to Query with Abs. Axel. Bria. And Shaz. We're together again. It's been like months that we haven't seen each other, it felt like. Although I've see, I saw you a couple of weeks ago, or last week at the Valentine's Day show, but our audience has not heard all three of our opinions in quite some time. Yeah, I'm glad to be back uh, with all, all all of the query folks. Um, although I do run into you guys basically every day on the streets. Yeah, it's the head nod sometimes. Hey, what's up? Oh, what's up? Hi. Um, I don't run into you that often, though. I think your your path of path of existence runs like maybe two streets up and two streets over than mine, Axel. Uh, first of all, you're really quiet. Second of all, I always run into you in front of your workplace. That's oh, that's yeah. the place that we see each other. Oh, that's right. Which happens because you're probably there a lot, and I am walking by occasionally. That's your route of transfer transport. I feel like often when I see either of you, I don't actually see you until you're like... On top of you. Yeah, basically on top of me, like within a foot of my face. That happened today at Oso. I, I, uh, I paraded back and forth a few <laughs> times before you looked up. <laughs> That's fine. Engrossed in, in, in prepping for the show I saw. Yeah. It was really nice seeing both of you at the beautiful love event yeah. last, last week. No, it was last week. It's only, it was a week Friday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, a lot has happened in a week. Um, I wanted to say that you did an excellent job emceeing Shazad. The comic relief that I kept uh. on forgetting who was going next and where they were going. Uh, yeah. It happens. It happens. Yeah. It was a good, I, I really liked it. It was a good, like, like um, cross-sectionality of Nelson population, of the, like the local queer community and non-queer community as well too it was an interesting transfer transition to at the closer to the end of the evening (laughs) and it was a pretty good introduction for people who are new to town and like maybe don't know um so many queer folks in town uh there were a couple people that i had never met before so it's like oh hi Mm. hi who are you Fresh me. Totally. I haven't seen you on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't open with that. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so it, was, it was go ahead. I was gonna say that I heard it sold out. Uh well what's sold out? We were trying to wondering what capacity was. I don't know. I didn't think we turned anybody anyone away. Oh, okay. Well you, is there like a all the tickets that, that were Okay, never mind. No, it was a mostly um, um, door sales. Most of the most of the times for events, it's especially with stuff like that, it's door sales. But it was a perfect time timing for us. I think uh, our community needed something to gather around, and you know, because it's almost six months away from our pride events, so it's it's like, yeah, let's get together again, let's have fun. And it, I find that in uh, smaller towns, it's so rare for. Or it's so rare to be in a place where you're surrounded by queer people. It felt like really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciated the like 
different age demographics as well. I felt like there was a whole, you know, splay of generations there, which was really fun. I also pretty appreciated the six the sick beats. Oh yeah. From nine ten o'clock onwards. I appreciated the kissing booth. Oh. Yeah. Did you have fun in the kissing booth? I sure did. Did you get to kiss some cuties? Mm-hmm. Mm. With consent. And it was interesting talking about consent. Like, okay, so this is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I'm not comfortable with. But even with the, that, those layers of consent, you can attach, like, intrigue and mystery. So I was like, I'm not, a, I'm not comfortable with anything below the neck. And uh, you got to keep your hands on the table. No hands. And see where it went. I I had uh I had I I had some definite FOMO. I didn't go in the kissing booth, but I um I'm a bit of a shy guy. So maybe next time I'll try and like find a a way to like incor- incorporate myself into I that. S- I saw you wearing the free hug sign for a little while. No. Were you not? Oh, okay. No. There was a free hug sign. Uh, That's cute. Passed around. Oh. Um <coughs> but speaking of like small towns and small communities and uh, things that are going on. Now is a good time to bring out our public service announcement. So for all of you who are interested, there's a call out for nominations for the Susie Hamilton Legacy Fund Award. Uh, the call out ends March 31st. The Susie Hamilton Legacy Fund honors the work of one woman environmental activist in the West Kootenays each year through a cash award. The public call for nominations is a reflection of the high number of women doing phenomenal work in the West Kootenays on a wide range of conservation and sustainability issues. There is no official entry form. Uh, Entries should include the name and contact information of the nominee, as well as a short paragraph about the work they do for the environment. Nominations can be sent to the Funds Award Committee at mclboyd at gmail.com Nominations closes on March 31st and that's again the Susie Hamilton Legacy Fund Award for women who are doing environmental activism in our community. That's really cool that we have that to recognize people for their efforts. Yeah. And it's also it's it's um, a lot of times we get inundated with all of these different things that are going on. Uh but it's also important to like know what what different months or different days are 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 designated in honor for. For example, Black History Month, which is happening this month, the month of February. And so it gives us an opportunity to think about the black community and black culture within not only our our town or our city, but also in the greater scope and scheme of things. So what I did was, for Black History Month, uh, not only did I uh, reread one of my favorite books called um, Things Fall Apart, um, if you ever get a chance to read it, I think it won a whole bunch of um, uh, major awards. It was one of the first books that came out of Africa, which um, um, written from a, uh, written in English from a Western, Western language point about uh, uh, tribal life. And it's a re- I w- it's a really really good book. Who's the author? I don't. Know. I wish you didn't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> Did a little a little internet search and recon. 
And um, the author of the book that uh, Shaz was talking about, Things, Things Fall, Fall Apart, is uh, Chinua Achebe. Very good. Nice. And it's, it's a short book, so it's, uh, I think it's uh, about 100 to 150 pages. Really easy to read, um, but it really gives you that, like, that perspective that... Because it's interesting, a lot of times when you're writing about something else, you're not writing about, you're writing using the language that you have. So it's interesting having writers who have, have these lived experiences in other languages or cultures, uh, translating that themselves into, into English or into a language that we can understand. Uh, when, another, sorry, I'm just diverging a little bit. Another one of my favorite books is called... Um, uh, uh, the Outsiders by Albert Camus, L'Etranger, and it's it's a, a super interesting book in English because that was the first time I read it. But then I read it in French, and to understand just that subtle differences between the the self language and descriptions of self language um, in one person's language versus it translating it using it into a second person's language. Mm. Isn't it? Mm. Cool. Yeah, well, going back to, we are talking about February being Black History Month, um, and I just think about the importance of acknowledging the contributions of black folks to culture uh, and the ways that sometimes those contributions do get erased or appropriated and not acknowledged to have originated with, uh, within black communities. And so, yeah, I think it's really important to name the authors and the artists and to acknowledge the musicians and, you know, all of the genius, brilliant cultural work that comes out of black communities. And, uh, yeah, and also to look at how that is appropriated into queer and gay culture and, like, drag scenes mm -hmm. and then taken out of context and has that history erased <laughs> of where that comes from. And it's an interesting thing, um, even by looking at shows like RuPaul's Drag Race, where it's, it's, um, it is an African-American person who is represented there as their show, uh, but also the like layers of erasure that still occurs within that show as well, too. Um, but also the lifting up of people within that show. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's only one little um, example of that. And another funny thing is, people using the word yes. Yeah, I think there's lots of different examples of people using what's called African-American vernacular English. Mm -hmm. So words like lit and yeah, yes, queen. Yes, queen. <laughs> that and makes me think of queer eyes. Jonathan yeah, Van Ness. Totally, totally. And actually like that originates within black communities and it's really important that we're not just kind of picking and choosing the like lingo that we want to appropriate and use and yeah and stealing it and not acknowledging where it comes from i mean i know that there's folks who question non-black people just using any of those words at all and are like you just shouldn't it's not for you it's not your language so you need to get your own thing and stop saying everything so lit and turned and whatever else <coughs> Uh, have you ever had a chance to see the show called Pose? Uh, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, I think I saw that. It's Is that the one with Madonna's dancers? Yeah. 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 So around that uh, era, but it's a really cool show to watch because it's um, it really like 
the, you get to see the language, uh, um, a culture, a group of people's language, and how they use it, and the power behind that as well, too. And it uh, gives you one of those layers of not appropriating it within your or my um, natural or my personal vernacular or language. Hmm. So for Black History Month, I have been rereading one of my favorite books by one of my favorite people. It's called Pleasure Activism by a lovely uh, black feminist writer and organizer named Adrienne Marie Brown. And Pleasure Activism is a book that is a compilation of essays and conversations that are inspired by and rooted in black feminist thought and theory. And uh, yeah, so have kind of this basis in folks like Audre Lorde, who was a black lesbian feminist in the kind of second, third wave of feminism, um, writing a lot about, I mean, a lot of things, kind of the intersections of being a black woman and a lesbian and uh, what that kind of experience was for her. She was a poet and, uh, yeah, wrote this article about her essay um, about the uses of the erotic and how that's manipulated in dominant culture uh, <coughs> to basically oppress people and disconnect us from our erotic essence and from pleasure as a right that we have to experience. Anyway, so I recommend this book, first of all, but also seemed super relevant because we wanted to talk this week about... Um, the opioid crisis that's happening um, across the province and beyond and in this little town of Nelson. Um, yeah, there have been some overdoses and there's this kind of ongoing crisis of being able to access uh, kinds of drugs that people use safely and, and what that means. And... So yeah, we want to talk a little bit about harm reduction and what that means. And I thought I would start that out by reading from one of the uh, conversations in this book. That's a conversation with Monique Tula, who at the time of publishing um, was the first woman of color executive director of the National Harm Reduction Coalition. So that's in the States. Um, and so Adrienne Marie Brown in an interview says... Can you tell us what harm reduction is? And this is Monique's answer. Harm reduction is a social justice movement built on the belief in and respect for the rights of people who use drugs. Harm reduction combines two key strategies. One, public health strategies to reduce harms associated with substance use. And two, advocacy and drug policy reform to address harms caused to communities by the war on drugs. Our bottom line is that everyone has the right to health and well-being, and everyone has the right to participate in the public policy dialogue. So harm reduction comes out of um, actual, like, actually coalitions um, of the HIV AIDS crisis um, and the war on drugs 30 years ago. And yeah, that, that there was this um, kind of visionary group of people who came together um, looking at people who were dying from AIDS and people who were um, kind of, yeah, existing in this 
intersection, often people of color, uh, queer folks, and um, and people, yeah, with like street involved experience, um, getting together to address these harms and say, you know, just because you use a certain kind of drug that's not seen as socially acceptable doesn't mean that you deserve to die or doesn't mean that you deserve the stigma and shame that society puts on certain drugs, but not all substances that people use to uh, change their state of mind. Uh, you know, there's like some things like alcohol that are more <laughs> socially coffee. acceptable. Mm -hmm. And I think coffee. harm reduction can definitely apply to those too. And we do have harm reduction policies around things like alcohol. Um, but it's just that there's this stigma that applies to certain kinds of substances. What's your two experience with that? And it's interesting, even with the, the language um, harm reduction, is you have to, uh, you can't really like um, stop anything. We learn the human condition. You can't, you can't stop anything right away. People try and stop smoking or go on these fad diets, but um, we realize that those long-lasting changes that can happen in your life uh, happens with slow increments. So understanding harm reduction and the and the journey with someone's reducing, not reducing to their goal or their journey is is important and helping someone guide, be guided through that and providing that support for that I think is super important. I think it's also important to look at look at drug use from a wider perspective in that um, if, you, if you look at drug use as coping mechanisms like Everybody can relate to that. Everybody has stresses, and everybody has coping, coping mechanisms to deal with those stresses. And depending on the environment that you grew up in, um, you know, maybe you have more quote-unquote positive coping mechanisms, but um, everybody can relate, and everybody's been there, so. Yeah, totally. And it's so interesting the way that, yeah, some of those coping me mechanisms are seen as like totally unacceptable and and that people who do those things are therefore unworthy of our compassion and support for what they're going through. I mean, I a couple months ago was at a one day conference. It was like a event from the Nelson Fentanyl Task Force that exists to kind of address this issue in our community. And I was at a table with two police officers, uh, one of whom just made some really harmful statements about people who use drugs and the consequences of that. And it's just shocking to me sometimes to like s witness the lack of empathy that people have of like, well, you don't actually know what that person's experience is and maybe they're really trying or. Yeah, and totally. So, and that's interesting person, people's experiences. One of my like pet peeves is that people don't have, people automatically assume that everyone's grown up the same. Everyone's grown up and have the same lived experiences as I have. So which means that my like, ontology or my way of knowing about the world, my coping mechanisms, my like having two parents, um, everyone has had that. And they, a lot of people who are ignorant or like, like unaware of the layers of, of people's experience or journey um, kind of blankets everyone else like that. Uh, that and there's been, there's been 
tons of research done uh, linking like childhood adversity to um, you know uh, psychiatric 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 disorders, which um, kind of often go hand in hand with uh, drug use as like a coping mechanism. So, you know, it's funny with that. Um, there was they did this test, uh, and I think they did YouTube videos about it, but they put a kid in front of a marshmallow, and they said, um, I'm going to step out of the room. You wait. Don't eat the marshmallow. The marshmallow is yours already. You can eat it now if you want. But I'm going to step out of the room. Uh, I just have to answer a few questions, and if you don't eat the marshmallow when I come back, uh, then I can, I'll give you another marshmallow. And it's interesting watching the process of, of the children that go through that and then, like, going back to that dopamine system and how how like immediate versus long term and how people cope within uh, how children cope within those uh, systems at a very young age well and with that study they like you know tracked those kids and how well they did in school and kind of what was their success rate in kind of you know the normative terms and they found that the kids who waited for the second marshmallow did better by societal standards in life. However, they didn't actually include in that study analysis of, you know, class and the experiences of those kids. Um, quality of life. Too. Because, yeah, it can be a totally different experience if you are living in poverty as a child and you don't actually know if you can trust the adult who's telling you there's going to be another marshmallow. So you kind of just want to take it while it's there. And so people yeah, grow up with these different experiences and then to expect that everybody should just respond the same way and just be able to deal with the challenges of life in the same way is not really fair. Mm -hmm. Shiz Shizad, would you, would you eat the first marshmallow? Um, yeah, in a hot minute. What, what about you, Axel? I mean, I don't know. I, as a as a kid, or like right now, I I don't if, think well, I like would maybe, want a second maybe, marshmallow. Maybe maybe you age. don't like marshmallows, but what <laughs> if you see like something really cool, like um, nah, like the most delicious chocolate bar you've ever had in your life, or you could have three of those most delicious chocolate bars you've ever had in your life. I think it depends on the day. Like, am I having a really hard day and I'm just like, I just need to eat the chocolate bar right now. <laughs> Give me the care. chocolate. Or like, am I like feeling really chill and just like, oh yeah, I could have this chocolate, or I could just wait. It doesn't matter. Mm. It's context. Um. Yeah. So. Well, anyways, guys, back to drugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, if if you are using drugs, and so many of us are, um, you should get your drugs tested, and you can do that in town um, on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday at Anchors. Um, and you can go in from 10 to noon, or you can go from 2 to 4. So, And, and the office is right next to uh, the hotel, just at the bottom of Baker. Uh, yeah, it looks, it's one of the, I love Nelson, because there's like certain buildings that you go into, look small from the outside, and then you go into the, go into it, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's like so many offices in here. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a very um, safe and uh, welcoming space uh, for you. It doesn't take that long to get your drugs tested either, and they don't require a lot of it. They do. It's something called mass spectrometry. Spectrometry. Really that fancy science. And it's like totally anonymous. But <laughs> even if like you're not feeling comfortable, you can like order drug tests online, and they're actually really cheap. Hmm. Yeah, that's really uh, good to know. And they're also rolling out a take-home drug testing specifically for fentanyl. So uh, stay tuned for that. 
Well, yeah, there's also the overdose prevention site at Anchors where you can go um, if you are using drugs, you can... Um, you can do that there with the staff who are trained in um, what to do in the event of an overdose um, and be kind of safely witnessed so that you know that you're going to be okay. But it's obviously really important to not use drugs alone and to make sure that somebody knows what you're up to and that you have a plan as well. I mean, all these things are kind of the different pieces of harm reduction. I think that's what's really beautiful about it is that it's kind of scalable to the person and it's individualized of looking at a behavior or something that you want to do and thinking about, you know, how is the safest way that I can do this mm -hmm. and still do it, but take care of myself and, um, and that, you know, from the like most casual drug users to, um, people who are like, experiencing severe addictions you know there's different ways to engage in harm reduction um and plan for being safe yeah and yeah with each other as well too um i also wanted to make mention of the nada circles which happen in town um and if you're having um like if you'd like to come uh they have it on tuesdays at 1 30 um, and also at 2.30, if you're like a first time um, and you've never had uh, ear acupuncture before, um, it's a really uh, easy place to go. And it's free if you have BC Healthcare. Yeah, yeah it's great. Um, and so the idea of NADA circles is that um, it's kind of like community acupuncture, but it's specific to um, ears. And, and sometimes they do a couple um, needles. Um on the uh, on the top of the head and one like in between the eyebrows and basically like all of these points are uh, like meant to reduce anxiety and and stress and in so doing you you're like put in, an, in a state of mind where like maybe you can ease more easily cope yeah. um so i i just have to say i i quite enjoy our our triplicate work here our tripl triplicate dialogue here, because we all three of us come from very uh, different um, backgrounds and experiences, and uh, yeah, it's it's quite neat to quite neat to see and you know participate in uh, because we haven't been we haven't had the three a threesome show in uh, at least a month or two. I yeah, think. it's been a month at least. I yeah. know that. Um, that both Shaz and I have done like a lot of different like jobs in our lives. Yeah. yeah. Wh what about you, Axel? Have you done a lot like a lot of different things, or what are you, what are you most into? I'm only 25, you guys. <laughs> I'm a baby. But you're so mature. You have um, it down. Uh, so that's what people tell me. But I don't know. Some I need some unskilled advice, my friends. I I need my my. Are um, you having a quarter life um, crisis? Yeah, yes. what's, what's I'm having on? a mid twenties flail of questioning a lot of things and what I'm doing and what I want to be doing. I mean, I've started my somatic therapy course and that feels really good and I'm so excited to be learning all the things but there's also this kind of sense in my life right now that like something is not right yeah 
like I'm just a little out of whack. I feel like I'm kind of always running places. Like I'm running to catch up with my schedule from like place to place to place, but I'm not really there. Mm, yeah. It's And I want to inhabit my life more. Mm. It's hard knowing knowing kind of the things that you do or the um the I like to say bowls that you hold or glasses that you hold or cups that you hold. Uh it's hard because a lot of the jobs that you have is a very is within a giving profession that you have to constantly give and and when you're giving and giving and giving without having that giving be easier or smoother or or reciprocation in some form or the other it gets tiring i think that um a lot of us find ourselves in positions where we're like we're trying really hard, like you said, to just catch up and to keep going and to like to get there. Um, but oftentimes, like maybe maybe like it's just not the right thing for you to be doing or maybe it is the right thing for you to be doing. But it's what I mean to say is like I think we have to be more comfortable with failure. Uh, and like m- if this isn't like working for you, it's OK to try something else like you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to feel like a failure, even if like it like it's kind of uh, failure is like a part of it, and it takes so long to get comfortable with the idea that like you know yeah and failure is okay, failure allows us to learn and grow and and it's good to sit in the uncomfortable for a little while because then in that uncomfortable, they say uh, uh necessity is the mother of invention, so in that uncomfortable, in that like what do I do those kind of life paths will light up hopefully yeah yeah i guess i hope so i i mean there's a part of me that's like oh it would be great to just have like six months off like what if i could just have a sabbatical i do that i've done that a few times throughout my life i just like with career changes or with having to like decide on what to do next um working for the school system we get our summers off so it was it's it was interesting to to have that working in the school system and decide during that summer whether I wanted to continue working in the school or do other things. But I think it's very important for for if we're able to take some time off of work of your life. And thank goodness in in Canada uh, we do have the ability to uh, collect uh, EI employment insurance. For a short period of time, um, which allows us, which has allowed me to kind of decide, is this what the path that the trajectory that I want, or is there something that I'd like to learn or move forward? And yeah, I just also don't even know what I would do with myself. You know, when you've been like busy for so long that you're just doing stuff every day, and you have a day off, and you're kind of like, I feel like I should be doing something, and it's hard to just not do anything. And like, I don't know. I don't remember the last time I cooked a real meal for myself like with multiple but what why are you thinking is not doing anything you're still doing you're still living living a life and you're give, getting the opportunity to like really embrace those things that you value without knowing that you valued when you were too busy to value them I can totally relate to what you're saying in that I I'm <laughs> I'm on spring break and right now like you would expect that it would be like the best cuz my life is pretty stressful. I'm like 
I, I usually have more plate, more on my plate than I'm comfortable with. But now that I have like time to just do whatever I want, I'm like stressing about all the stuff that I like should be doing or I'm like freaking out because I don't have enough things to do. Like, why do we, why do we do this to ourselves? Like, why don't, why does our brain work like that? Uh, I think it's like capitalism and ableism. Just this like, I mean, I think that's more, more, more for me when I think about like, oh, what would it look like to slow down? What would it look like to not be doing a million things and having like packed days from like nine o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night? What would that even be like? And I'm like, am I allowed to do that? Instead of thinking of it as slowing down, think about it as being strategic. And you need that space to process in order to be strategic. So that's why the slowing down, quote unquote, um, we need that slowing down is to create that space to be strategic with our lives Mm. or with our decisions and even with our process or our thought thought patterns. I've been studying business a little bit. Mm -hmm. And in that, it's, uh, it's like kind of depressing how how often uh, businesses fail. I forget the stats, but it's like all the businesses fail, basically. (laughs) Um, Not all of them, but usually they say that it takes like three failed failed businesses until you have like a fully functional one. So like, I don't know. I I guess in that case, like you, you prepare to fail. And like when you do fail, you get the fuck up. And like, yeah. GTFU. Or you just lie on the ground for a while. Can I? Can yeah. I do that? Is you, that allowed? That's fine. I'll get up eventually. Yeah, maybe. I'm I'm okay it with goes that. Back to like creating that space to get up, right? Mm-hmm. You got to create that space to make the decision to get back up. I like that. That's really nice, guys. Yeah. Okay. Can we listen to some music? Yeah. What would you like to listen to, Bria? Okay. So uh, this is um, I don't, I'm I definitely can't pronounce it, um, but uh, the song is uh, Ghost Keeper, and it's by Klankenkrossel and Given. Mm, yeah. I'm excited. Turn up the volume. Hello, we're back. To query. What was that song, Bria? Oh, uh, we were just listening to uh, Ghost Keeper by uh, Clang Carousel. Mm, I hope you got to bop your head around a little bit. That was a great song. Thanks for introducing me to that. So, so it's almost the end of our first season of Query. Wow. Can you imagine we had a whole season? Hopefully we have some uh, groupies, as we say. Oh, we've definitely got at least two groupies that I know of. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> me. My parents keep on bugging me for the link <laughs> for the show, so tonight I think I will, like, send them off the link. Mm. Uh, also, our most recent shows are not on Spotify yet because I haven't uploaded them. I got called out yesterday for being behind <gasps> on... Who called you out? One of our groupies? Yeah, one of our, one of our groupies <laughs> called me out. I was like, I want to listen. Aww. I missed the show live. I need to hear it. 
Yeah, no. we've got, and so now we have to make the decision: do we continue the show? Another six months. Another of six months. Yeah. There's so much to talk about that we haven't talked about, right? Like, yeah, so far it's been a pretty wild ride. Mm-hmm. And, and I like the fact that the first, like this, the first six months was kind of growing and learning the station and how the microphones work and putting things together. <laughs> I think Dropping we're still learning mic. that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm excited for us to bre- kind of like branch off on our own and then come together. Branch off on our own and then come together. Um, oh. Yeah. We were, oh. we were talking earlier and uh, I will eventually be making my departure. <gasps> so what I was thinking... Maybe we could just interview people on the show and just be like, so, do you want to be on Query? Oh, do, so we're going to try to find your replacement? Does your name start with B? And do you want to be on Query with it, The only prerequisite is that like you're queer and also you have a name that starts with a B. But yeah, we, we, can, we can change it. I it know, can I'm be Asmbaz. Uh, hmm. we'll, we'll make it work. Yeah. Well, but we'll miss you. Well, that would be fun. Though. I mean, I'm glad you're not leaving s- too soon. Yeah. Maybe you can call in. <gasps> yeah. Maybe they'll put us on earlier, not like <laughs> ten to eleven, and then maybe we can like call you up um, wherever you are and be like, "What's going on across Canada?" And I'm gonna be road tripping too, so that would be funny. I could call you guys on my road trip. Mm, nice. And I can phone you from various cities across the Can- Canada. So does it sound like we have another show coming? I think we do. I would definitely like to hear okay. from the listeners about what they would like what us to do us. in the next six months. What mm. do they want us to cover? What do they want to know? So send us a message on Facebook or post it on Facebook. We have until Thursday uh, to, you know, apply for another show this coming for this next season. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to sponsor our show, like if you have a business and you're like, hey, you know what I really want to do? Give some money to Community Powered Radio and Queers doing that. And you can totally get and, on board. And the diversity of voices that are on this. I I, I have to say I love this radio station uh, just because there is such a diversity of shows on here mm. a lot of most most of it is music during the week they do do talk shows they give you the news and what's going on around town uh but yeah it's it's what other community has a as a as a cooperative based radio station where people have their voices heard i just don't know i did just remember that i do have a little bit of an announcement to make into the world my workplace, the Nelson and District Women's Center, is currently doing an online crowdfunding yeah. thingamajigger. And we are attempting to raise $15,000. Almost there. Which is a lot, but we need that and more because it's been a tough year and we need money. So, in order to continue doing the magical work of supporting women in this community. So you can find that online. It's on fundraiser. If you find the Women's Center Facebook, it should be there. Uh, you so it's can like a live auction. Sorry, claim, it's like a, yeah. There's okay, like cool. perks. So there's uh, you can get a feminist like game hmm. 
that one of our directors, Avery, designed. She's like a really boss game designer. She makes things and it's cool. And then you can also claim a postcard perk, which is local art that is... Uh, been designed by a supporter named Kiala, who is a very talented artist. And so, um, yeah, they've made us some postcards that we're going to be sending out. But we have to make the $15,000 or else we don't get any of it. So if we don't pass that target, then we get zero money. So currently, I think we're at like 12000 So if you've got some dollars. And when does it end? Oh, there's a couple weeks left. Okay, good. So 14 days or less. So please get out and uh, check it out. See what's see what uh, auction items available. We can put a link on our on our Facebook. Yeah, yeah, totally. Sounds good. Um, so we've got one last song for you. This is by a group of artists, a duo, I believe. Um, they are black queer folks from Toronto. And their uh, group is called Above Top Secret. And this is a song that is basically calling on the Canadian government to respond to the inquiry on missing and murdered indigenous women. And uh, yeah, I thought that was timely since there's still police presence on the Wet'suwet'en territory. Even though the police have said that they're not there, they actually still are. Mm -hmm. And the colonial violence continues um, on their sovereign land. So, do you know? And it and it pisses me off because people aren't getting the full scope of what's going on, Uh, and the importance of 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 what's going on right now. So that was all I have to say. Continue. Okay, so this is Bang featuring Lido Pimenta by Above Top Secret. Yeah. 